As we begin our time, I want to personally thank each of you for continuing to fight the good fight of faith. It's not easy these days, is it? Today we're talking about God's perfect timing. It tells us in Galatians 4, verse 4, that in the fullness of time, God sent his son to this earth in the fullness of time. So I've titled these thoughts today, God's Perfect Timing. Have you ever heard it put this way? God is never early. He's never late. He's always... All right, let's, let's say that last phrase with some real vigor. God is never early. He's never late. He's always... Now we're talking. wonder how important that is. God's purposeful moving through history. And what he has done in history, what he is doing in current history, with respect to his purpose, his plan, he's doing in your life as well. Please don't miss that. If if there's a nugget today that I want you to take with you and just chew on it through the day and, and through the week, it is this. God came. He comes. And he comes to me. It was just last Tuesday, Zach Carden on the other side of the wall in Commons on Tuesday morning at the Hub, gathering for men. He said this, Jesus is here. And I love the pace at which he said that. Because those present really picked up on the fact this isn't church talk, but it's reality. Jesus is here. And during this Christmas season, what sets things to life and the dance of Christmas is in realizing that God came, He comes, and He comes to me through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, why is that our lead thought for today? It is not easy living for Christ, beyond the safe confines of your home and church. Can I get an amen to that? You know, life, life is filled today with, with a lot of uh, uncertainty, politically, economically, racially, culturally. I mean, we, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, none of which I'm on, by the way. But I am told that um, these avenues for social media were intended to bring people together. You know, I read this past week, they're the problem in the divisiveness because it's now used for a platform to verbally assassinate people. 
So what kind of day do we live in? Dr. Youssef, in his uh, new book, Fearless Living, on page 10, he, he shares that um, a British newspaper called The Guardian uh, did a study, and they said, uh, with respect to anxiety, that in 1980, of America, 4% of the population dealt with some form of anxiety. And they said, and this was done in May of last year, they said, today it has risen to half. Anxiety, uncertainty, eating disorders, you name it. There is, if you will, today, this nice world in which we live, there is a cloud over the hearts, minds, and souls of people. Not trying to depress anybody, but, but that's where we are. So if we ever needed God to come through a fresh moving of His Holy Spirit... And for Jesus Christ to personally touch our lives, could it be that that time could very well be right now? Anxiety. There is um, another challenge that, that we face. And um, the challenge is knowing when and how to, to verbalize our faith. You know, for a long time... Those of us who were choosing to honor the Lord and, and to live for Him, it, we had the uh, cultural winds blowing at our back. Now they're blowing in our face. And I never thought, and before I returned to vocational ministry, I was in corporate America for eight years, and it became an HR issue that if we talked religion during office hours, there would be penalties involved. And to me, that just, I had no idea. So we're going down this road to remind us all that there are pressures, be it anxiety, uh, be it knowing when and, and how to, to verbalize our faith. In other words, living out our faith these days is extremely challenging. So this thing of anxiety, what are you afraid of? What do you worry about? Guys, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I tend to be a fix-it guy. Can I have any hands on that one? Spouses, you want to raise your husband's hand? <laughs> we like to fix things. And, and I understand that the number one anxiety for men is money. And it's born out of the pressure men feel to provide for their families. And now with uh, tax cuts coming and corporations moving forward and faster and so forth, the speed at which for both men and women in careers is getting ready to increase. And all the while, the corporations are still operating under the mantra, let's do more with less. 
Not too long ago, David Cassidy passed away. Just setting the stage. Do you remember what he said right before he passed? So much wasted time. God comes. He comes to you personally to bring you to that life filled with purpose and destiny. David Cassidy apparently never quite came to that reality. So Christ has come. His timing is perfect. This Christmas, I'm, I'm going to take you back as I was uh, starting ministry as a pastor many, many years ago. I went to a conference and uh, you know, when you start out in preaching, you want to sound a certain way, you, you want your gestures to be spot on, you know, they teach you all that in school and so forth. Well, I went to this conference, and um, the pastor's name was William Jones, African-American pastor from the great state of New York. Well, friends, when he got up to speak... He said, the low reach of the high God, characterizing Christmas when he sent his son Jesus, it was the low reach of the high God. Now, I'm a tenor. William Jones was a deep bass. And when he said that, I mean, everybody is just like the voice of God. And it's amazing well over 30 years ago, I am still remembering that just like it was yesterday. May you have that kind of aha moment today when you realize that in Christ, God has come to you personally. So he came. He comes. And he comes to me. It tells us in John six forty four that no one can come unless the Father draws him. God has a lot involved in your life, a huge investment. He comes to us personally. So if our day and time is characterized by anxiety in large measure, stress upon Christians and knowing how to communicate and how to live in an ever-changing culture. question we need to ask ourselves, well, are, are these just different kind of times? Let's go back. Charlotte, thank you for reading from Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied some seven to eight hundred years before Christ. What was life like? Well, he's prophesying in Judah, which is the southern kingdom. Isaiah, his name means the Lord is salvation. And so he was called by God to prophesy. And he prophesied during the reigns of four kings. You had Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. Three of them were good. One was bad. Ahaz was bad. 
But you know, all of the kings were being greatly challenged because spiritually they were not tracking with God. What occurred about a hundred years to 125 years before Uzziah's reign, this thing of Baal worship really took hold, not only in the northern kingdom of Israel, but the southern kingdom of Judah. Well, how in the world did Baal worship gain such a foothold among the Jewish people? Well, the king of Israel back in the day was Ahaz. Now, ladies, I'm not picking on y'all. But he married a lady by the name of Jezebel. She was from the area of Tyre and Sidon. And uh, Phoenician background, culture. Well, they had all of these different gods And the god of thunder, the god of rain, if you will, was Baal. And so the god of Baal was very important because without water in an agrarian society, life would cease to exist. And so Jezebel was was very cunning. She never replaced God. She just added a god to Yahweh. So it was God plus. And there was such a delusion spiritually that the whole nation lost their way. And for us today, we can very easily God plus. But when God sent his son into the world, he did away with all other religions having any kind of merit towards salvation, was it not Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but through me. The sufficiency of Christ. And so in this dark period in Judah's history, coming to the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahab, and Hezekiah. There is that kind of spiritual and moral darkness. Life was was characterized by prosperous economy. The economy was doing good. But yet there was idolatry. Things made of human hands, as Paul said to those in Rome, idols. There was moral downfall. There was division. There was strife. There was spiritual darkness. And there was this looming sense of coming judgment. So into that world, Isaiah is called to prophesy. Would you like that assignment, folks? Honestly. Charlotte read from chapter 9. In chapter 6, there is the calling of Isaiah. And it was in the year that King Uzziah died. You know, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, And he comes to this point where he hears the Lord say, 
who? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And, and what did Isaiah say? Lord, here am I, send me. Well, if you continue reading through chapter 6, the Lord says, well, I want you to prophesy to a people that are unwilling to see. People who are unwilling to hear and people whose hearts are hardened. So Isaiah was going to be prophesying for decades with no results. Isaiah was used to prepare and to prophesy that there is the coming exile that would be realized in the Babylonian captivity. But God would prefigure through that that there would be the return. And he used Cyrus to bring the Jews back. The point is this. God has a plan and purpose and destiny for your life, and He comes, and He impacts your life, and He transforms your life, just like Isaiah. And how faithful He was. Life and time in the 8th century. Well, it tells us in Isaiah chapter 9 that for unto us a child is born. And so now Isaiah is looking through the quarter of time, quarter of time to the first century, to the birth of Christ. So all of human history, ancient history up to the first century, they have been looking toward. God has been preparing the world, and in the fullness of time, at just the right moment, Jesus Christ came. I mean, I asked the question a little while ago, the life and times of Isaiah, was that a peculiar time? What was life like in the first century? political. Here the Jews are, and they're being ruled by the Romans. Religiously, they're at odds. There's strife, there's division. I mean, just read the New Testament, and you will find that these were not the best of times. And so the continuity between these times, these seasons, these epics, it's kind of the same thing. Men Women are walking in darkness, but God comes to show us a great light at just the right time. So why did he come? Why did Jesus come? He came to save us from the insidiousness of sin, that which separates us. I don't know about you. I came to know Christ at, at eight years of age, and now I'm just a little older than that. And uh, 
Guys, maybe it's just me, but um, I still have to tell myself no nine out of ten times every day. There's just this pressure to take me down one road, and I know the Lord is leading me in another direction. So Christ comes to save us, to save us from ourselves, from this insidious sin nature. You know, it tells us in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, and every single one of us has turned to his own way, but God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ came. To die on the cross to pay for our sin. That which separates us from an eternal, wonderful, purposeful relationship with God. And I know it is so easy for us to just kind of blow past that. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, Mike, I've got that. That's Christianity 101. But I hope we never grow past that. I hope we are never unmoved when we hear what Christ has done. You know, for, for many of us, when it comes to trying to, to quit the old and to live life like I've always wanted to live from the right side of life. We just do our best to try. Guys, how many times have we said to ourselves, I'm going to do better? Or I'm going to quit? Maybe life is teaching us that we can't control We cannot, but he can. And when Jesus came, it was the great exchange. We give him our spentness, and he gives us his resource, his provision. He fully commits himself to us. You know, I was told in seminary many years ago that, you know what saves you is not you committing yourself to Christ, (laughs) but Christ committed himself to you. And just think about that. How Christ has come and he fully commits himself to you. Wow. So guys and ladies, we have something wonderful to move toward. You know, Jesus not only saved us from, but he saves us for something. I'm going to ask you if you uh, have Isaiah 9 open, continuing a little bit more. Verse 6, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, 
Have you ever gone to a counselor and the light came on and the peace and the resolve that you needed came? Mighty God, strong, able. Eternal Father, Abba, Father. Prince of Peace. This is exactly what we need. A wonderful counselor. Mighty Father. Prince of Peace. This past week, R.C. Sproul passed away on Thursday. I don't know about y'all, but, but I have his app on my phone, you know, the Ligonier. And uh, I just listen to his sermons all the time. And he has such stories that he intertwined in his messages. Well, getting back to this thing of, of anxiety and that Jesus came to, to give you peace and we needn't fear anything. He shares the story of his dad. His dad apparently was not in good health, and uh, R.C. Sproul, when he was still a student, his dad was stricken with a series of strokes. The first three left him as an invalid. And I gather his dad was in his 40s. And, um, you know, R.C. was doing his thing with school and so forth. He'd go out, come in, and dad was always in his chair. And um, R.C. always kind of wondered, well, how's dad doing mentally, emotionally, spiritually? And to his amazement, his dad was always at such peace. And his dad said to him in a grovelly voice, as best as he could, and R.C. was leaning down to really get the message from his dad. His dad said this, gang, be anxious for nothing. Now, nobody could say that unless Jesus comes to a person personally. He came. Wow. So, bringing this to, to a head today. Recently, I heard Chuck Swindoll, and he was uh, grabbing a story from when he was graduating from Dallas Theological Seminary. And, and you know, graduation day had come, and everybody was there and so forth. And, and the president uh, stood before all of those preacher boys. And he said, I'll never forget what the president told us. He said, men, I'm afraid you're going to leave seminary with too many beliefs and too few convictions. You know, for us today, living in such turbulent times, we could say, well, we just need to hunker down. 
How many of you have uh, garage doors, you know, the electronic thing? Well, well, when I come down Mary Hill Lane and our house is the fourth one on the right, I know the exact place where I need to garage door opener. By the time I get there, the door is up. I go in, and I know at what point that car, once it gets to that point inside the garage, I push it again, and it goes down, and the door is down before I get out of my car. You know, if we're not careful, we can start playing it safe. But I wonder if Christ would have us do a 180 on that. That for us to make contact with the world. And I know we live in a day and age where, you know, it probably do us well to show the love of Christ. To earn the right to be heard. These are those moments, those, those life moments where we're making contact, thus fulfilling this life of purpose and destiny for which we have been saved. We're not only saved from, but we're saved to, to be fully alive. Can we say that these are the best of times? That would be our prayer. How many of you know Rand Eberhardt? <laughs> what a fantastic addition he's made to the team. I love just uh, hanging out with him because, man, he speaks truth. He'll speak life into you in a heartbeat. He said, um, and he didn't share any names, you know, we're just having lunch, just, you know, pastor to pastor. And he said, Mike, this guy uh, that I'm talking with, uh, he recently retired. And he's in his early 60s, and he did very well. But now he has nothing to live for. And he finds himself getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning. And the only way he can get back to sleep is to get uh, a little whiskey. That'll numb him out, numb him out just a little bit, and he can just get on back to sleep. Rand, then, this is what I took away from that. He said, well... Sir, you've told me that you have a desire to live your life differently. Yes, sir, that, that is correct. You know what Rand then told him? He said, well, buddy, you've got some decisions to make. Desires alone will not get the job done. But you follow that with some determined decisions that you're going to make and keep then you're going to find that life is going to be going in a different direction. Kind of completing that. Nobody can do that on their own. Guys, we need one another. Getting back to R.C. Sproul. He said, you know, guys, we, we, we talk about money. 
And uh, R.C. then kind of spoke to the audience. He said, have you ever heard this, uh, this phrase, uh, money isn't everything? And everybody said, yeah, 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 I've heard that. He said, well, the new thing is money isn't everything. It's the only thing. And you know, when guys are together, they will never talk about their insecurities and their fears. We want to posture. We, we want to pose. And maybe it's time for us to be real. Maybe getting real in an appropriate way with close friends paves the way for getting real with the Lord and vice versa. What do you think? So God has come throughout history, even before Isaiah. All through the Old Testament, he is preparing the world for the coming of his son. The times in first century A.D. were very much like they were 800 years prior. And now, from first century up to the present, life is pretty much the same. Life on this planet. You know what I'm kind of thinking? Life ain't going to change on planet Earth. The only change is going to come as a result of hearing the call of Christ when He draws near. Will you hear that call today? I know you've got desires. What decision today would the Lord want you to make during this Christmas season so that you can celebrate this Christ child who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh, how we thank you that you came. And you keep coming. For you showed up at Pentecost. You, you show up even in our history as a country through the spiritual awakenings. And Father, you've been kind to bring those who've been converted to Christ in the Middle East. And Lord, they, they speak of how, Lord Jesus, they saw you in a vision and they heard you. You are showing up. And Lord Jesus, that you would draw near to us even as we draw near to you making the decision that we want you to be our life. And we surrender our all anew to you so that we might go on to experience a life of purpose and destiny at this Christmas season. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.